2: And that's what's meant in Second Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things passed away; all things become new. Becoming Christian is described as being in Christ. Well, what does that mean to be in Christ? In the Book of John, where where the Lord Jesus Christ describes a Christian as being in Christ. See the best description of what it means to be in Christ is the analogy that he used. And he told us that in John 15, 5. He says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Without me you can do nothing. See, the Lord Jesus Christ, he makes it very clear. Understanding what it means to be in Christ, he says, think about a branch that's attached to a vine. And, And that'll answer the question of what it means to be in Christ. Think about what it means for a branch to be in a vine. There's no way that a branch can withstand the extreme stress of the storms and whatever pressure comes out without being attached to the vine. That, that just, the, just as the vine, just as the branch in the vine finds its support to withstand the extreme stress, so we, we in Christ, we withstand the extreme stress in our lives by being connected to Christ, in Christ. And, and, and a branch has only one source of nourishment. And, and the branch receives all of its nourishment through the vine. And so just as a vine gives all of its, its nourishment to the branch, the branch receives all of its nourishment from the vine. So, so we in Christ, we receive all of our spiritual nourishment from the Lord Jesus Christ, from him. And, and as a result of that nourishment, a branch can bear fruit. It's the only way a branch can bear fruit from that nourishment because it's attached to the vine. So just as the branch cannot bear fruit without the vine, we in Christ we can't bear fruit for God unless it comes from Christ through us. And, and there are, there are the you know in my garden there are some branches and, and especially now this time of the year winter they 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 look they look they look dead. You know, they don't have any leaves on them. There's certainly no fruit. And, and I don't know if they're, they're still alive or not, these branches. So, so what I do, I have to go out there, I have to break some of the twigs off and, and see if there's any moisture, any, any internal moisture. Because during the winter times, when there's no fruit, the branch is sustained by the trunk. The branch is sustained by the vine till spring comes. And so just as the branch is sustained by the vine during the fruitless, leafless times of winter... When it just has to endure. So in Christ, we are sustained by the Lord Jesus Christ during the dry, fruitless times in our lives till spring comes again. And so in Christ, it means this like the branch receives everything from the vine. Like Ken was saying, we receive from the Lord Jesus Christ support during the times of extreme stress. That we endure. We receive from the Lord Jesus Christ nourishment to stay alive. We receive from the Lord Jesus Christ nourishment to bear fruit. We receive from the Lord Jesus Christ sustenance to endure dry times in our lives. That's why the Lord Jesus Christ expressed being in Christ with words such as John 15, 2, every branch in me. And John 15, 4, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except that abide in the vine, no more can you, except you abide in me. See, what is meant when we say we are in Christ? It means we have a tender, close union with the Lord Jesus Christ, where everything, all our support, all our strength, all our life flows from him to us. Is is, Is there an option for a person to be a Christian and not to be in Christ? Well, that, the answer to that question comes from two words in 2 Corinthians 5, 6, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. See, the any man answers the question with a no. If a person is a Christian, he is in Christ or he's not a Christian. And a person becomes a Christian, he will be in Christ. And then he'll be a new creature See, the word creature, that's the same word that's used in Romans 1, Romans one twenty, and Romans one twenty-five. It's referring to God's creation. So it doesn't matter that a person was immoral, impure, sensual, defiled in, in, in their past. It doesn't matter because God the creator, the great creator, he's gonna use that same creative power that he did in creation to recreate the person to be a moral, pure, spiritual, and clean person. And God will recreate them. God will make them over. And this change is dramatic with a new replacing of the old with the new. For example, the old belief of who the Lord Jesus Christ, that he was just a man, a philosopher, a teacher, that's replaced by the new, he's God. The old belief of what is acceptable was anything that doesn't hurt anybody else, that's replaced by the new. Only thing that's acceptable is what pleases God. The old prejudice against the Lord Jesus Christ is replaced by a new supreme love for him. The old love of self is replaced by a a new view of self which is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things, unknowable. The old pride of self is replaced by a new humility. The old independence from God is now replaced by a new dependence on God. The old clinging to good deeds to be acceptable before God is now replaced by a new clinging to the Lord Jesus Christ and his cross to be acceptable before God. The old view of life, that you only live once, and when you're dead, you're dead, that's replaced by you you live forever. Without Christ in hell forever, or with Christ in heaven forever, but you live forever. The old view of death is that there's no existence after death. That's replaced by the new view that after death is judgment, either to heaven or to hell. The old goal of life, which was to make oneself as happy as you can with this life, that's replaced by the new goal that life is to make God happy. The old hope that was to get and gain as much reward as possible in this life is now replaced by the new hope to get and gain as much rewards as possible after this life. The old fear and the agitation of the soul is now replaced by a new peace of God and a calm assurance. See, when a person becomes a Christian, the whole, everything changes. It's this great sweep. And view, and the view of the world changes. We talked about this at the Wednesday night prayer meeting. The whole face of nature changes. It's like a coming into a new world. The hills and the valleys and the skies and the trees and the sun and the stars, they all seem to be new. They all seem to have a new beauty because of a freedom that we now can say, my father made them all. You couldn't say that before. Not just God made them, but my father made them. And that's the depth of what it means to be in Christ and a new creature. When a person's become a Christian, he he gradually, he learns, I'm in Christ, and Christ is in me. A person becomes a, a believer, he doesn't know that immediately. He doesn't know that the Lord's in him, and that he's in Christ, but he discovers it. He discovers it, and the Lord Jesus Christ said in John 14, 20, at that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. When the Lord said it that day, that means that they didn't know right then, but that they would know. When a person first becomes a Christian, he doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ has taken up residence in him. Probably scare him if he did. <laughs> he has no idea what it means to be in Christ, but he finds out later. And Paul described how he found out. He described he, he described that how he found out that he was in Christ and Christ was in him when he wrote about that in Galatians 1, 15 through 16, because he said, In those verses, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. See, he uses this word, revealed. He uses the word to discover. He says, I discovered, I found out. How? It was revealed to me. What was revealed? His son in me, inside of me. He says that. He said. He says that God revealed that his son was in me. And, 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 then he said, and then he said, you know why God revealed that to me? Because it was not so that Paul could go around and say, that's really neat. It's really neat to know that God's son is in me. I feel really neat. No. Paul said the reason God revealed that to Paul, that his son was in him, he said, to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen. Immediately, I conferred not with flesh and blood. So he didn't go and say, what do you think? He didn't do that. He said, the reason God revealed to Paul that his son was, that his son was in Paul is that I might preach him among the heathen. That word might means ability. So Paul's saying, to reveal his son in me that I might preach him, he's saying that to reveal his son in me that I might be able to preach him among the heathen. See, that was the knowledge of Christ in Paul that gave Paul the ability to preach the gospel to the world. I mean, we can see how important that is for Paul to have this knowledge. I mean, here God tells Paul, Paul, go into all the heathen world and bring the gospel to these people who've never heard. And Paul's wondering, how am I gonna do that? How am I supposed to do that? I mean, he already saw what he was up against in Mars Hill. So he, couldn't even, he couldn't even count all the gods they had. He finally said, well, I'll start here, the unknown God. Maybe that'll give me traction. Uh, and that, that's where Paul, that, 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 Paul's sitting there in that state, and that's where God comes and says, wait a minute, Paul. I'm not asking you to do this alone. I'm not asking you to, to go out there alone. I'm revealing to you that my son is already inside of you, so the two of you are gonna bring the gospel to the lost, you and my son that's in you. And what a difference that makes to know that the Lord Jesus Christ is in us. Therefore, we're not alone when we bring the gospel to the lost. And when it was revealed to Paul that Christ was in him, he saw people as two different categories. He said, okay, it's very easy now. They're either in Christ or they're not in Christ. And when he spoke to believers, he said, he kept calling me. He says, I see you. Oh, you see you. You're in Christ. You're in Christ. Oh, you? you're you in Christ. Oh, I know you. You're in Christ. Romans 1, 16. Salute, Andronicus and Junio, my kinsmen, my fellow prisoners, who of note, who are of note among the apostles, who were also in in Christ, before me, See? and then in Romans sixteen eleven. Oh, salute! By the way, those people have a salute Herodian, my kinsmen. Greet them that be of the household of Narcissus, which are in the Lord. And, and and the benefits to being in Christ, he described them in Romans eight one. There's thou for now, no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. See, only for those who are in Christ Jesus is there now no condemnation. See, that little word now is wonderful when it says there is therefore now no condemnation. The moment we receive the Lord Jesus Christ, we become in Christ, we receive the benefit of no condemnation. That word now has the power for us to now. now, when we remember our sins, which we do, and, we, and remember our sins that we're guilty of, and we know that there's not, therefore now no condemnation for those sins we can remember because we're in Christ Jesus. Another benefit of being in Christ is stated in 1 Corinthians one thirty. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. See, being in Christ means that we have the benefit of, 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 of having him become our wisdom and giving us God's wisdom. Of having him become our righteousness and giving us God's righteousness. Of having him become our sanctification, making us usable by God. Of having him becoming our redemption, giving us the blood of Christ as the payment for our sins. See, all those benefits, wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption, they're all because we are in Christ. And that's why it says in Ephesians 1, 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So we receive all the spiritual blessings because we are in Christ. And then there's the benefit that all these distinctions between people, they all disappear in Christ. Galatians 327 29 As many of you as have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ, there is neither Greek, there's neither Jew nor Greek, neither bond nor free, neither male nor female, you're all one in Christ Jesus, and if you be Christ, your Abraham seed, heirs according to the promise. So in Christ, there's no distinction to being a Jew or, 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 or not being a Jew, to being a male, to being female, all in one, all in one in Christ. And the Lord spoke about this, this is what he meant when he said in, in, in John 15, 2, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit he takes away. Every branch that beareth fruit he purges it may bring forth more fruit. See, to be in Christ is like the vine. It's like the branch in the vine. Everything comes from him. That's why it challenges us today. Don't try to live independent of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why it challenges us. It's when He says in John fifteen five, I am the vine, you're the branches. Abide. He that abides in me, I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. See? Boaz hears this about Ruth. She's a convert. He understands the grand sweep that's happened in her life. Boaz hears here's the foreman say, and she said, I pray you, let me glean, gather after the reapers among the sheaves. She came, continued, from the evening till morning. She tarries a little in the house. See, he hears this about Ruth. And 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 she hears, she's not, she's 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 a hard worker. And, and and he understands she's a diligent person. And and then he you know, and then he, he understands she's a humble person. She asked permission. You know, I mean she had a right because of the Mosaic Law to glean there, but she asked permission. She said, right or no right, I'm gonna ask permission. I'm only going if he gives me permission. See, so we see Ruth, she's meekly asking the foreman permission to glean. Can I glean in this field? And when we think of Ruth, that she is, Ruth, she's, the, she's a beggar. She's humbly asking for permission to glean in the field. You know who she will become? She will become the mistress over that field. She'll become the boss of that man, that foreman there. And to see that illustration is to understand what the Lord Jesus Christ said when he said in, in Matthew 5:5, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, they shall inherit this field. And and Ruth was meek, and by her marriage, in a sense, she inherited that field. And that shows us the importance to be like Ruth. Be meek, because the Lord said, blessed are the meek, they shall inherit the earth. And in her meekness, Ruth asked Boaz in verse 10, why did you take knowledge of me? Because seeing I'm just a stranger and Boaz explains why he's been so kind to her in verse 11. Boaz answers, said unto her, it's because it's been fully showed me. All that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thy husband. You left your father, mother, land in nativity. Come to a people you didn't know. Boaz said, it's been fully showed me. And he uses this word, it says fully showed me. Actually, it uses the Hebrew word twice, boom, boom, right in a row for emphasis. It was told me, it was told me. And when we see Boaz being told about all that Ruth had done, it makes us think of the Lord Jesus Christ going to receive a report about our lives. How our lives are going to just be laid out before him for the purpose of receiving rewards or losing rewards. It's a good thing for us to keep keep that in mind, that, that our work is not going unnoticed. You know, it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. It's not a waste of time. The Lord encouraged us. Keep those rewards in mind. And he said in Matthew 10, 42, he said, Whosoever shall give a cup, a drink, a, 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 these little ones, a cup of cold water, only in the name of the disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. Paul encouraged Timothy, don't lose sight of the the rewards. He said in 2 Timothy 4.8, henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me at that day, not to me only, but unto all them that love is appearing. Not only Paul, Azariah, the prophet, encouraged Israel to remember their work is going to be rewarded by God. In in 2 Chronicles 15.7, He says to Israel, the prophet says, be strong therefore, let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. David encouraged Israel, remember, God has great rewards for those that obey him in Psalm 1911, moreover by them, the word of God is thy servant warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. See, Nehemiah Nehemiah was interesting because he worried that God was gonna forget. Nehemiah, I don't know, understand Nehemiah, but anyway, he he wanted to make sure God. Did you see what I just did here? Don't don't forget that, you know. He says, you know, so three times, so number of times he says in Nehemiah five nineteen, think upon me, my God, for good, according to all that I've done for this people. And Nehemiah 13, I commanded the Levites they should cleanse themselves, they should come and keep the gates sanctified day. Remember me, O oh my God, concerning this also. You say, now you write that down in your this God, I'm afraid you're going to forget about it. <laughs> you know? In Nehemiah thirteen fourteen, remember me, O oh my God, concerning this, and wipe not out all my good deeds that I have done for the house of my God and for the offenses thereof. Nehemiah 13 30, thus cleansed I them from all the strangers and appointed the wards of the priests and the Levites, everyone his business. See, he says, remember me, remember me, remember me. The, 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 you know, he, 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 he's asking God to don't forget because he's focused on the on the rewards. It's a good thing. And Boaz, he calls out in, in, in verse 11, Boaz answered and said unto her, it hath been fully showed me all that thy done to thy mother-in-law. It was true. Ruth did a lot for her mother-in-law. Boy, did she ever. I mean, but, but up until this point, did anybody acknowledge that? I mean, when Naomi came back to Bethlehem, and uh, what, what, did, what did she have to say? She said, I came back empty. You know? Certainly, this is no acknowledgement uh, of what Ruth had done for her. And when the women of the city came to stare at Naomi, they didn't say anything about Ruth, what she had done. We can imagine how Ruth would have said to herself, no one sees all that I've done for my mother-in-law. I mean, Naomi calls me nothing when she says I've come back empty. Everyone here just despises me for being a Moabite. But Boaz, in verse 14, he said, it had been fully showed me all that thou hast done, all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law. That was a real encouragement for Ruth. And that's a picture of how the Lord Jesus Christ takes knowledge of us. You know, like the song says, does Jesus care? When my heart is pained too deeply for mirth or song, all the burdens press as the cares distress and the way grows weary and long? Oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for being our Boaz. We're Ruth, Lord, and you're our Boaz, and we serve you. And so, Lord, we pray that we would not become discouraged on the way. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. friendshipwithgod.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California 92071, or email Tom Cantor at Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051.
0: What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on youtube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program was brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.